1: Very happy to see all of us gathered once more to worship the Lord this season and we've already entered into the month of October. And can I invite you to turn to someone next to you, uh, fist bump them and say back to Second Thessalonians. Can you do that right now? Back to Second Thessalonians. We have had quite a fast and furious five weeks of two mini-series over the pulpit. The first was called Build the Church. The second, The Harvest is Now. And in building the church, we desire the church from within to be strong so that we are prepared for the harvest and we do so by serving and giving. And then Harvest is Now for the Missions Month and we do so by loving and then by praying and by going. And I'm very happy to report to us, uh, for BBJ Centre at least, that how the Lord is stirring us to respond to His call throughout the course of these five weeks. I was very happy to see some covenanters who were serving in the Sunday service team and they've not even gotten their turquoise polo tee because it was their very first time. And for some covenanters who started to apply to audition in our worship team, in fact, this morning, one of our AV crew, she's doing it for the very first time, actually. So can we give a, a hand and just encourage them for just how they're responding to the Lord? And I trust that you will as well in good time. We are back in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to begin at verse 1. Verse 1, chapter 2. We have also been receiving good news this past week where another country has opened up for travel. Uh, there is a spike in the hotel room rates because of pent-up demand for hotels and so on. And I came across a news article of this man from Argentina. He was touring the country of Brazil, having a road trip. And as he was driving back to Argentina from Brazil, he stopped at the petrol kiosk, which many of us do. pump petrol. went to the toilet. But he did not know that the wife woke up from her sleep and went to the shop to buy cookies. So he went back to his car, started the engine and drove off and he did not realise the wife was not in the car and apparently the teenage son also didn't know that mum was missing because he was too busy on the phone and the car travelled for about 90 kilometres or so until he realised, hey wife not around. Now, back at the shop or the petrol station, when the wife came out and realised the car was gone, she, she went frantic and she panicked and she started crying non-stop, ran back into the shop to ask for help and the shop manager said that she was just moaning constantly and, and I had to so-called you know, calm her down with water and all that. And then the police was called and two hours later, they managed to track the driver, the husband, and when the driver finally came back to the petrol kiosk, the wife came out and started hitting and kicking the car. Husbands, I'm not giving you ideas. Uh, If you try this, God bless you. Your pastors won't be there. There are times in life where what happens around us can potentially shake us and throw us off guard. This was the case in the time of 2 Thessalonians when apparently they heard something that was circulating. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2 verse 1, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you brothers not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So apparently there was fake news circulating, they got it in their WhatsApp, apparently there was a letter going around as well that the second coming has already happened. And it sounded so convincing, they took the entire thing in hook, line and sinker. Apparently also there was a prophecy in the church that said that this was true and horror of horrors to them is like utter despair. Their hope is gone. I mean, the boarding gate has closed, the flight has taken off and they missed it. Their reaction was not pretty. In fact, The the words Paul says is, don't be quickly shaken. It's the picture of a ship in deep sea or deep waters where a storm is raging. The, the, The winds and the waves are just tossing this ship about until it's about to topple. They were alarmed. Literally, they were crying out at the top of their lungs. Utter despair. Now, thankfully, as a church today, most, if not all of us, know that Jesus is coming soon. The second coming has not happened, Right? Okay, any of you believe that? Okay, you can raise your hand, Go, you will come to you later after service and have a conversation with you. Most, if not all of us believe we are all waiting for King Jesus to return. And we can even smell it a mile away if someone claims to predict when the second coming will take place, even though it is soon. But you and I know as we scroll through the news, we live in a very unstable world today. Our Prime Minister during the National Day rally already said this, categorically, that we must be prepared for sudden shifts in the region because it's become so politically volatile, the tensions that is non-stop, in fact, it seems to escalate even further. We live in what experts call a VUCA world, VUCA, volatile, uncertain or unstable, complex and ambiguous. That's the kind of world we live in today. As we await, Jesus is coming in the end times. And for some of us, it can come in the form of a lab test result that came back to your doctor. Your doctor has the unenviable task of breaking the news to you and your life can change forever. What keeps us steady and unshaken in these end times when many things can happen and even what we take for granted may not be there anymore? Notice what the Apostle Paul says to the Thessalonian Christians who are young in their faith in verse 5 now. Verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things? Do you not remember I told you these things? Now, the idea of remembering here is not just bring to mind something you forgot, but put something at the forefront of your attention and focus and eyeball it all the way until Jesus returns. Remember. Now, what... I believe is found in the text in verses 1 to 8 this morning, gives us at least two things we must remember, two things we must eyeball as we await Jesus' return so that come what may, we remain unshaken in these uncertain times. Here's the first. Remember our foundations or your foundations from the start. Remember your foundations from the start. In verse 3 now, verse 3, Here was Paul trying to assure the Thessalonian Christians that let no one deceive you in any way for the day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. Proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things? Now we don't have a record of when Paul said this to them. Was it in Acts chapter 17 when he first founded the church? We don't have a record, but we do know there was a conversation and Paul was already preempting them. There was a man of lawlessness who's gonna come. And Paul assures them: if this man of lawlessness haven't come yet, then don't worry, the second coming has not happened. Question: Who is this man of lawlessness? Now, it is, this person is left unnamed and it seemed, it seemed that the Christians know who this person is, but we don't, okay? But if we follow the witness of Scripture through the course of time from the Old to the New Testament, when this man of lawlessness appears, the church should not be surprised. Why? He has appeared multiple times in different forms. As someone who would come and defy God, even come into the temple and expect and demand worship as God, someone who is anti God and anti Christ. Now, if we follow the unfolding of scriptures from the Old Testament in Daniel chapter 11, this was a time when the prophet Daniel prophesied that this king will come. And if you can read this on the screen with me, okay? Daniel chapter 11, verse 36 together now. He will exalt himself and magnify himself above every God and shall speak astonishing things. Against the God of gods. He shall prosper till the time of indignation is accomplished. Do you notice the similarity? Someone who claims to be God, someone who demands worship, in fact enters the temple and does something so horrific. What happened? Now, Bible experts believe this prophecy got fulfilled by this Gentile ruler by the name of Antiochus. What happened was that in 167 BC, he came and he uh, captured Jerusalem and he entered the temple and he went to the altar of incense in the temple and slaughtered a pig there. P-I-G. And for the Jewish people, this like... (gasps) Horror of horrors for them. But interestingly, after the incident, more than a century later, more than a hundred years later, Jesus makes the same prophecy... So when here we are, Matthew 24, when the disciples ask Jesus, what are the signs of the end times? Here's what Jesus replies. Now, if you read this with me on the screen, Matthew chapter 24. Okay, if not, I can read it to you. Okay, here's what Jesus says in Matthew 24. Yeah, here we go, okay, together now. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, do you notice Jesus makes reference to the same incident, even though it has happened already? But he's saying something very similar will happen again and someone will come in the same fashion again. In fact, if you follow the history of the Jewish people, you will realise that through the course of time, after Jesus' prediction, there was another king by the name of Carigula, Roman emperor, who wanted to erect a statue of himself in the temple and wanting people to worship. And the Jews protested. Decades later, another king by the name of Titus, when he ransacked, when he captured, destroyed Jerusalem, he took his insignia or badge or coat of arms or something, put it at where the temple site was and the Roman soldiers all worshipped it and the whole temple site got defiled. So when we come to 2 Thessalonians now, when Paul tells the Christians that this man of lawlessness will come, it should not surprise them nor surprise us because in the witness of Scripture, it has happened again and again and again and again. Regardless who this person is, someone who is anti-Christ and anti-God. And they will be unshaken, undisturbed, if they return back to the foundation of the Scriptures because God has given enough clues in there to give us a sense of how history will unfold and climax so that when it happens, we will not be shaken nor caught off guard. Remember your foundation's From the start. So that by the time history climaxes to the time of Revelation, Revelation will show the picture of a beast, chapter 13, apparently another metaphor for someone in authority in the empire who will demand worship, even have false signs and wonders and miracles. People will be so enamored they will fall down and worship this beast. It will happen again. But the minute we come and open the scriptures together, we realize that God is not taken by surprise by these things, neither should we. Remember your foundations from the start. In 1992, there was a hurricane that uh, called Andrew that wrecked havoc in Florida. Thousands of homes were destroyed and flattened, and people were literally picking up the pieces to try and move on in their life. And when a reporter came to survey the site and also to ask people what happened, the reporter was surprised there was a particular house that was still standing, didn't collapse. So out of curiosity, asked the homeowner, how come your house didn't collapse while the rest were flattened? And so this is what the homeowner said, that in Florida, there is something called a building code for the way we build houses. And this building code stipulates dimensions and materials. So for example, if this building code says that I need to use two by six inch roof trusses or beams to build my house, that's exactly what I did. Follow the building My friends, in life, God has given us a building code already, the Scriptures, so that as we build our lives according to His blueprint, according to the foundations He called us to lay, come what may in our uncertain, unstable world, by God's help we can remain unshakable. I want to read to us a story that Pastor Tony shared when the leaders gathered yesterday morning about a youth leader here in our centre. His name is Daniel. He was journeying with a group of youths and when two of these youths started missing in the CG, he started praying for them and what happened was that in answer to prayer, God started to stir the hearts of these young people and one of them wanted to get baptised and the desire to get baptised kind of sparked a ripple effect for the rest. For another youth, God laid upon his heart a desire to read the Bible. So, he read the Bible every day, ten chapters a day. Ten chapters. And covered the Bible in one year. And in the words of this young person, and I read that to us, this is what the young person said, that I found that God's timing really is perfect times when i or people around me were facing issues in life were days god's word in specific verses spoke to me in ways that i wouldn't have thought of and this you've ended up making plans to reread the bible a second time round by reading it slower and deeper and Daniel uh, reported that now there is a WhatsApp group that started that the, the youth start to share their devotions or their devotionals, their quiet time. And, and this is what Daniel said that in reality, this has helped me and the other CGLs in our daily devotion as well, as many youths posted their readings and they are sharing. My friends, I really believe God is doing something in Covenant EFC stirring our hearts, giving us a fresh hunger for the Scriptures as the blueprint and the foundation for life. And for those of us who have not covered the Bible before and read it from cover to cover, I highly, strongly encourage us because it will build another layer deeper in that foundation. For those of us who have done it before, I encourage us, consider a different version because when you read a different version, there are nuances that come out that you've never seen there before. Now, as practical application as well, here's something I believe all of us can do, all of us. Every month, we have the blessing as a church to receive this, every month. In fact, I believe there are some copies at the info counter downstairs today. Some of us have it in our hard copies or you download the PDF from the website or on your phone in the app. I don't know whether we realise that we are one of the few churches in Singapore that have a blessing of a team that writes the daily devotional every day so that we are nourished. Thousands of us. Can we give a hand to Pastor David and the team for doing that so that we benefit? Now, for those of us who have been already using the journal, there's very rich and very deep stuff in there. Now, for those of us who are already using it, here's, here's what I want to call us to. Take a step beyond what we are doing right now. Currently, we are reading and reflecting, which is great, but take one more step. What's that one step? Share. Share what you've been learning and gleaning. When we come to CG uh, meetings or during our family devotion time, during our couple prayer time, share what the Lord has been putting upon your heart through the passages, in your reflection, in your journaling. Why? Because here's, here's the interesting thing. Last week, Pastor, Pastor Adrian uh, gathered us covenant pastors together because we're playing host to, uh, to pastors outside covenant. Uh, Pastor Emma was going to address the pastors and we're going to go into a group sharing time. And here's what Pastor Adrian as a seasoned educator said. That what people remember is not what we say. It's what they share. What people remember is not what we say, what we download, but what they themselves share. Because when they share, they are actually assimilating what they are hearing and learning. When they share, they are actually integrating it and trying to apply it. When they share, they are trying to make it part of themselves. Does that make sense? And therefore, I want to highly encourage us, share what we have been learning and gleaning. Because when we do so, what we have reflected on starts to assimilate, it starts to internalise. And guess what? As a result, as we share it, we end up building the foundations of other people God has entrusted to us as we bring the word to one another. Remember your foundations from the start. Go back to the blueprint God has given to us. Here's the second thing I believe God calls us to remember, to keep steady and unshaken. Remember Jesus' victory at the end. Jesus' victory at the end. We pick it up now in verse 3, and here's how the lawless one is described again in verse 3. Let no one, verse 3, deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Notice how he's described now. He's called the son of destruction. God had already foreordained, no matter how long this takes, the destiny and the destination of this lawless man is double confirmed job stamp, destruction. However, it will not happen immediately. There is a certain plot that's unfolding and and the Scriptures now gives us a a clue how the plot unfolds. So if you follow me to verse 6 now, verse 6, and you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. So you notice now, even though this lawless person, someone in authority will have a heyday, a field day, leading many people astray where the hearts of many will grow cold, there is someone or something doing the restraining, holding him in check until Jesus comes. Question, who or what is doing the restraining? There is some scholarly debate here because now part of the technicality is because the person or the thing doing the restraining is found in what we call two uh, noun forms. One noun form is called the masculine form. The second is called the neuter form. So they translate as the person and the thing. Okay? Some believe, oh, it's the Roman Empire because uh, the Roman Empire as a thing is restraining this person and the ruler as a person is doing that. Now, While I can understand that's possible, I beg to defer and I tend to follow conventional scholarship that suggests that actually the one or the thing restraining is God himself. Because in the Bible, God the Father is described in the masculine noun. God the Spirit, it is described in the neuter noun. Now, and Paul seems to hint that later on in verse 13, if you follow with me to verse 13, verse 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the who? Spirit, right? And believe in the truth. Same same arrangement now. God saved you. Again, Paul uses the masculine form by sanctification through the spirit, and the spirit uses the neuter form. So that's my persuasion. Okay? But whatever your conviction or your persuasion is, we all know that in the witness of Scripture, God in His sovereignty is never surprised by these things. And in fact, while we think that the evil one or the devil himself is having a field day, having the upper hand, they are actually a pawn in God's hand. God is simply positioning the pieces on the chessboard as we climax to world history, allowing even the lawless one under the influence of evil, of the demonic himself to work. Why? So that he can separate the sheep from the goats. To separate those whose hearts are truly after his. And therefore, remember Jesus' victory, even when things seem to go down south. And until the restrainer uh, continues to work, it it will come a point where in verse 8, here's the final end that happens, verse 8, when Jesus returns. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The Lord Jesus will destroy how? With the breath of his mouth. How many of us, you like Kung Fu movies? Can I see your hands? Jackie Chan, Jet Li, Ip Man. Okay, confession. I watch almost every movie of starring Jackie Chan. I completed all episodes of uh, Ip Man. Okay? The love of martial arts runs in my family. Those of us who love Kung Fu movies, uh, you will know how the final scene is, right? Uh, typically, typically, okay? So, the final scene, the good guy will square off with the bad guy, right? And then they will stare at each other for maybe 20, 30 seconds. Then the music will, will build, right? the kind music builds, right? And then they will charge at each other and start fighting. Ching chang, ching chang, ching chang, right? And the whole scene will go on like 15, 20 minutes where the, the, the good guy will strike first and then well, the bad guy kind of black eye, like, oh, moan, right? And then they retaliate. Then suddenly out of nowhere took this special pattern or this special move, ah, and then the guy, the good guy gets a bloody nose and then lies on the floor, maybe leg fracture or and then moan in pain right? and then this whole thing, just continues ding dong ding dong then suddenly out of nowhere we think that the good guy is going to lose right or at least that's what we're made to believe lah. then suddenly the good guy can't suddenly stands out, out of nowhere then suddenly the music will change right then then some victorious music will, will start to play in the background he suddenly fights the bad guy and then some he, he, he's got his own special pattern or something that he comes out and then bam the, the bad guy dies and lies on the floor and moan and then tuan chi or then the head drop and die right you you know the scene But when we come to what the Scriptures describe as how Satan and his demonic forces, including the lawless person, Antichrist, anti-God, battles against God and God's people, it's nothing of that sort. You look with me again, verse 8. And then the lawless one we reveal whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth. <sighs> Bye-bye. The end. What kind of anticlimax is that? You don't believe me? You go with me to Revelation chapter 20. Almost the same scene Revelation chapter 20. You, you go to verse 7 now, which is the climax of the opposition of demonic forces against Jesus now. 20 verse 7. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Do you sense the suspense the music building? Okay. Their number is like the sand of the sea. Good night countless. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Good night. God doesn't even tell angel Michael, hey, uh, Michael, don't mind, gather some angel go and settle this, Ken. He doesn't even go down himself. With the breath of his mouth, fire comes from heaven, boom, everything finished. That's the kind of victory because of how mighty our God and this King of Kings is. And if that's the case, my friends, as the church family, as children of the Most High God who follows the Commander-in-Chief, King Jesus, we are on the winning side. Can we say amen? And therefore, here's what Pastor Ed tells us. uh, In life, when we fight for victory in life, whatever circumstance that faces us, don't fight for victory. Fight from victory. Don't fight for victory. Fight from victory. When I was a district pastor at Woodlands, this is what I tell parents never ever underestimate your prayers for your children never or your grandchildren for that matter or for those of us single for your nieces and nephews and so on no matter how weak they sound, how feeble or how short when Sue and I on sabbatical seven years ago, we met a pastoral couple and their daughter we had a meal together and, and, and their story unfolded this way because this pastor was, uh, had a missions call, ministered to a particular people group, he was spending his time travelling a lot and in uh, that region. And the daughter was so angry about this, the daughter ran away from home. And the parents were entirely distraught, no sound, no music, they have no idea where the daughter is, no news of her, and they were reduced to the place of prayer and they were pleading with God to do something that they're just totally helpless. They were praying their daughter back into the kingdom. That's all they could do. Now, to cut a long story short, essentially this daughter of Diaz, for some reason, decided to go for a, a retreat, something like a breakthrough weekend. And at the retreat, the Lord met her. The Lord touched her very deeply. She cried and cried. There were tears that flowed freely. She gave her life back to the Lord. But that's not the end of the story. Sometime later, the Lord asked her a question that she never expected. The Lord asked her, will you now go back to the same people group your father has been ministering to, to serve and to reach them? And this daughter said yes to the Lord. Went to a training school to prepare herself, graduated in order to minister to the same people group she hated the father for. Can we give thanks and praise to God what your prayers can do yeah, in a time where things can be so uncertain and things can look like there's no hope? Never ever underestimate your prayers, even yours, because of the authority we exercise on the victory side. There was a US governor who was very busy campaigning for votes for a second term of office and, and didn't have time to eat. So by the time he went to church, there was a lunch reception. He was, he was very, very hungry. He was queuing up like the rest in, in the buffet line. He reached uh, to, the, to, to where this lady was serving and the, the lady put a piece of chicken onto his plate. So, so this governor said, uh, can, can I have another piece of chicken? So the lady said, sorry, one piece per person, please move along. And he said, but I'm really very hungry. Do you mind one more piece of chicken for me? And the lady said, sorry, no, one piece per person. So the governor thought, I've got no choice except to pull my weight, no? So leaned over to the lady and said, do you know who I am? I'm the governor of this state. The lady leaned over to him. Do you know who I am? I'm the woman in charge of the chicken. Church family, do we know who we are? Servants of the Most High God. Sons and daughters of this King of Kings who just by a breath of his mouth, everything dies. This is what I tell intercessors who pray or other ministers when we serve in the prayer team. When there is a 40-foot container truck charging at you and there's a policeman wearing blue, if you are an ASP, an assistant superintendent, you put your hand up there with the truck stop, Yes, right. What if you're a sergeant with a truck stop? What if you're a constable, no rank, you put your hand up there with the truck stop? Why? Because it doesn't matter what the rank is. But because you're wearing blue, you are representing the state, you come in that authority. Each of us as servant of the Most High God possess an authority we can never even dream of right now. And for us not to exercise it in prayer is such a waste when Jesus is coming, when the evil forces are advancing. Never ever underestimate the power of your prayers. That's why Sunday after Sunday we gather here 10.25, 10.25, we aim to come early so that together we come once more declaring the praise of Jesus, preparing our heart. Do you know how unconventional the warfare is in the Old Testament when the, when the hordes of armies were all invading and King Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles was over. What did he do? Unconventional warfare. He got the priest to be in front with singing without weapons. He is good. His love endures forever. His covenant faithfulness never ends. And that's exactly what we did just now. That's declaring war. Against evil. That's why we gather Sunday after Sunday like this. That's why CGPAB, we gather like this every month on our knees to call upon God, fighting on our knees if we have to, on the victory side and believing Him for it. Because time is short. There are souls we are one to bring into the harvest, into the kingdom. Never ever underestimate your prayers. My friends, we do live in very unstable, very uncertain times. Anything can happen. It's very volatile. But God tells us, nothing of this should shake us if we return back to the foundations we had since growing up. Go back to the scriptures to rebuild our lives according to the building code. Remember Jesus' victory at the end and because the end is already secured, already won, we are fighting from that place of victory. Let me close with this final story before we partake of communion together. In World War II, when the Allied forces were battling against Germany, led by Adolf Hitler, as they studied what happened, historians concluded that the victory began in this place called Normandy. Normandy was where, according to to reports, was where both the air and amphibious assaults took place. 1,200 planes was followed by an amphibious, which is a land and sea assault, involving more than 5,000 vessels or ships. More than 160,000 troops crossed the English Channel on 6th of June 1944. By the end of August 1944, the Allies had reached the Seine River in France and with more than 2 million Allied troops, Paris was liberated and the Germans had been removed. They were forced to retreat. And the Allied forces then prepared to enter Germany where they would meet up with Soviet troops moving in from the east and Hitler was prevented from sending more troops from France to build up his eastern front against the advancing Soviets. At the end of April the following year, which is about six months later, Hitler swallowed a cyanide capsule, pointed a gun at his own head, and shot himself. The following spring of May the 8, 1945, the Allies formally accepted the unconditional surrender of Nazi Germany. But as they followed the unfolding of history, they realised the victory was traced back not to the point where Hitler shot himself. The victory was traced back to Normandy where it all began. For us as disciples of Jesus, to walk and experience spiritual victory in this lifetime as we wait for Jesus to come. Where our victory begins is not Satan's point of destruction. Our victory begins at the cross. At the cross where the Bible tells us that when Jesus stretched out his hands, the whole world thought it was a defeat but the Bible tells us he made a public spectacle of every power, every principality. He triumphed over them on the cross. That's where our victory begins. That's where we rebuild our foundations as we declare Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again because there's no safer place to be, there's no greater and more secure place to be than at the foot of the cross, on our knees, if we have to. I'm going to invite us to bow our heads before the Lord in prayer now. And before we join in this song together, as a faith affirmation and declaration that the battle belongs to Him, and then joining communion together, I'm going to give us some personal sacred space and moments now, just to let all that we have heard, just to sink in. And if there's a word that jumps out to us through this past 30, 35 minutes, a phrase, something you know God is speaking, putting into your heart, I'm going to invite us just in this sacred space to just bring that before the Lord and respond to Him in prayer. What the Lord is putting upon your heart, not just to listen, but to do. friends, as we do so, I want to give an invitation for some of us who may be first-time guests or friends here. But we may have come before and as we bow our heads and our hearts before God, you know you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And this morning you come, you enter into this place realising that there is a battle, not just politically, there is a spiritual battle for your soul. And the battle rages through your rage, your depression, your addiction, your fear, your anxiety. And Jesus invites you to open your heart to let Him in so that He fights the battle with you. He fights the battle for you and you taste the victory. My friend, if that's you, I'm going to invite you just to pray this prayer after me. I'm going to invite you to put up your hand up high. I want to acknowledge you and pray with you together with the church family, before we join communion together. and Here's how this prayer goes. Lord Jesus, you came to destroy the works of evil and win the battle for me. Satan comes to deceive, to steal, kill, to destroy. You came as truth that I may have life and have it to the full. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I cannot battle and overcome sin on my own. The penalty of that sin is eternal darkness, the place where those who reject you will be. I call upon you now. Bring me out of that darkness. By your Spirit, shine your light and strengthen my heart that I may fight from victory and overcome and tell others Jesus is my conquering and returning king. My dear friend, if that's you with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you for the very first time asking Jesus into your life, can I invite you to put up your hand up high just right where you are for a moment. I just want to acknowledge you, pray with you before the rest of us respond together. Any one of us here? Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that every time the Scriptures are open, it never returns to you empty. And therefore, the very seed you've planted in the hearts of our friends and guests, those yet to know you in your good time, bring about that harvest when one day they will call upon you. Church family, what we're going to do is we're going to remain seated. We're going to sing this song as a faith declaration that what we see around us is not pretty, but what Jesus sees from His end is already the victory and we stand secure in it. Let's sing this together.
0: See is the battle. You see my victory. Amen. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain. to fear now I'll fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God
1: We're going to move into a short time of prayer now for some of us i sense in my spirit that you may know of someone either in your family or in your extended family that you know has been far away from god and far away for a long time but what we want to do right now is we want to bring that person back to the lord right now and lift him up by name to say god work in this person's life we are fighting from that place of victory we're claiming back the soul for the kingdom. For some of us, it could be a pre-believing friend or neighbour you've been trying to reach out to in at, at home or in your in your workplace and in time to come, we're going to lead up to the Christmas outreach and we're asking God to go ahead of us to move in this person's heart beyond what we can do. Shall we do that together? We invite you to turn to someone. Let's pray. Let's lift up the person by name now. Okay, Find someone next to you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Bring that person by name now to the Lord, believing that God and army of heaven is fighting on our behalf and we are right now in prayer, fighting from a place of victory. Let's pray. For some of us, you may know someone who's not well. It's been been a long time. The condition has not turned. Let's believe God that the condition will turn. Let's believe God this person will turn around the corner. Let's pray. that will unfold. Pray that healing takes place beyond what doctors can even do. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. For those of us who are ready, let's sing verse 2 together once more and let's declare this verse 2.
0: I see all the ashes, you see the beauty.
1: god's benediction and blessing as we depart to walk in their victory promised to us the spirit of the lord be upon us to preach good news to the poor to proclaim freedom to captives to recover sight to the blind hearing to the deaf life to the dead that as we exercise our god-given authority in prayer and proclamation let darkness in our homes workplaces schools and neighborhoods be pushed back in jesus name and the light of god's presence comes to invade that darkness send us therefore lord back to these places for the mop-up operation no matter how long how intense we declare that the battle belongs to the lord and there is no contest because nothing can stand against you nothing can stand against your church your people in jesus name we believe and we receive this and we say together amen 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 praise god
0: we're glad you had spent some time listening to god's word and we hope that the message has ministered to you Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.